of St. Benedict, chapter the fifth, De Obediencia. <coughs> the first degree of humility is obedience without delay. <coughs> this becometh those who hold nothing dearer to them than Christ, and who on account of the holy servitude which they have taken upon them, either for fear of hell or for the glory of life everlasting, as soon as anything is ordered by the superior, suffer no more delay in doing it than if it had been commanded by God himself. It is of these that the Lord saith, At the end of the year he hath obeyed me. And again, to teachers he saith, He that heareth you heareth me. Such as these, therefore, leaving immediately their own occupations, and forsaking their own will, with their hands disengaged, and living, leaving unfinished what they were about, with the speedy step of obedience, followed by their deeds, the voice of him who commands, and so, as it were, at the same instant, the bidding of the Master and the perfect fulfillment of the disciple are joined together in the swiftness of the fear of God by those who are moved with the desire of attaining eternal life. These, therefore, choose the narrow way of which the Lord saith, Narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, so that, living not by their own will, nor obeying their own desires and pleasures, but walking according to the judgment and command of another, and dwelling in community, they desire to have an abbot over them. Such as these, without doubt, fulfill that saying of the Lord, I came not to do mine own will, but the will of him who sent me. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. We enter today into the heart of the Holy Wool into the three chapters in which St. Benedict sets forth how a monk follows Christ in obedience without delay chapter 5 in the love of silence chapter 6 and in humility chapter 7 these are the chapters of the monastic Via Crucis, the way of the cross. These are the chapters of the monastic kenosis, that is, the emptying out of self in sacrifice to God. Mother Bechtild sees this as constitutive of the Benedictine life. She contemplates the mystery of God 
were hidden beneath the appearances of the sacred host, empties himself out, or, as she likes to say, makes himself as nothing. These are the chapters of the Mysterium Hostiae, the mystery of the host, of Christ the victim, of the Lamb, immolated in a bloody manner once upon the altar of the cross, and in an unbloody manner that is mysterically or sacramentally, so often as the holy sacrifice of the Mass is offered upon the altars of the Church. Thus is the prophecy of Malachias fulfilled. For from the rising of the sun, even to the going down, my name is great among the Gentiles, and in every place there is sacrifice, and there is offered to my name a clean oblation, for my name is great among Gentiles, said the Lord of hosts. It is significant, especially for us, in the light of Mother MacDill's systematic use of the word victim, in reference the most blessed sacrament, and to those who feed upon it. She uses the word victim not only to refer to the sacred host, but to refer also to those who, partaking of the sacred host, become victims with Christ. I explained this last time round when I commented on this chapter of the Holy Rule, but I want to reiterate it. Until the Reformation, the English word used for the Most Holy Eucharist was the housel. That was the word used to refer to the Most Holy Eucharist. The English word housel derives from the Greek thusia, a sacrificial victim. It's very interesting that the English word uh, for the most holy Eucharist is in effect victim. To administer Holy Communion was to household. To receive the sacred host was to be household or to go to the household. In recent centuries, the word sacrament is more commonly used in English to refer to the most holy Eucharist. But sacrament does not mean the same thing as household. Household designates a victim for sacrifice. The household, therefore, is the victim Christ, the immolated lamb, the Christus pastus. To be household is to partake of the victim. One who partakes of the victim becomes identified with the victim and enters into the mystery of the victim's immolation. This is expressed notably in the secret of the votive mass of Jesus Christ, the eternal high priest, very clearly. It is also expressed in the magnificent uh, neo-Gallican preface of the most uh, holy sacrament, which is in our missal. 
For St. Benedict, the monk, being a man, as he defines him today in chapter 5, a man who holds nothing dearer to him than Christ. That's, that's St. Benedict's own definition of a monk. A man who holds nothing dearer to him than Christ, and who is household at the altar, enters by obedience into the élan of Christ's sacrificial victimhood. I use the word élan because it denotes what St. Benedict means when he says the first degree of obedience of humility is obedience without delay. Conversely, the first manifestation of pride in a brother is delay in his obedience. If the first degree of humility is obedience without delay, the first manifestation of pride is when a brother begins to drag his feet, when he delays uh, his act of obedience, when he says, I will do this other thing first. That's a very uh, subtle but uh, crippling uh, thing in the life of the monk, because uh, it can become habitual, that is to say, this putting off one's obedience can become a vice. And uh, essentially, it is a vice that grows out of pride. Pride which says, me first. In the Christus Factus est, that we sing during the last days of Holy Week, that we sang on September 14th, the gradual of the Mass, there is a wondrous upward flight of news over the word obedience. It's quite remarkable. It is the perfect translation into music of what characterizes obedience in the mind of St. Benedict. There is no foot dragging, no holding back, no delay. Benedictine obedience is unhesitating swift and wholehearted. That's the three characteristics. Unhesitating, swift and wholehearted. When a brother hesitates, it's the beginning of his own undoing. When a brother is not swift in his obedience, it gives the devil space for his machinations. When a brother is not wholehearted in his obedience, that piece of the heart that is not given to God for the act of obedience, Satan claims for himself. One must take care lest in executing a command one becomes distracted along the way. Stop to give one's attention to other matters, and so delay the act of obedience. In sending forth his disciples, our Lord says, Carry neither purse nor script nor shoes, 
and salute no man by the way. Luke 10.4 Benedictine obedience is carried along in the swiftness of the fear of God. It is an act of sacrificial worship, thusia. It is borne along enthusiastically in the impetus of love. So St. Benedict says, such as these, therefore, leaving immediately their own occupations. There's a little death in that. Every time a brother has to leave what he has in hand, it's a kind of death to self. This is why I so insist on immediate obedience to the sound of the bell. This is one of the principal uh, ascetical challenges in Benedictine life. That when the second bell rings with divine office, one drops whatever one has at hand and ascents to this, this kind of death. St. Benedict says, leaving immediately their own occupations and forsaking their own will. One forsakes one's own will in the little things. With their hands disengaged, not holding on to whatever it is uh, has uh, been the matter of one's uh, engagement. Not holding on to it, putting it down with hands disengaged and leaving unfinished what they were about. With the speedy step of obedience followed by their deeds, the voice of him who commands, and so, as it were, at the same instant, the bidding of the Master and the perfect fulfillment of the disciple are joined together in the swiftness of the fear of God. By those who are moved, I love the way St. Benedict uses that word, who are moved, carried along with the desire of attaining eternal life. St. Benedict describes obedience as an expression of thusia, sacrificial immolation of the victim made over to God in imitation of Christ and in union with the mystery of the cross. Ronald Knox, in his monumental study of heretical religious movements, critiques what he calls enthusiasm. With all respect to Monsignor Knox, there is also nonetheless an orthodox enthusiasm. That is, the Eucharistic enthusiasm that springs from the altar and drives one to the altar. There's a, a lovely passage in the writings of Don Peter Antin, in which he says, the monk lives from the altar and for the altar. Of this enthusiasm, this readiness for the ultimate sacrifice, St. Ignatius of Antioch is the great example. St. Ignatius says, Though I am alive while I write to you, yet I am eager to die. My love has been crucified and there is no fire in me desiring to be fed, but there is within me a water that lives and speaks, 
say to me inwardly, Come to the Father. I have no delight in corruptible food, nor in the pleasures of this life. I desire the bread of God, the heavenly bread, the bread of life, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who became afterwards of the seed of David and of Abraham, and I desire the drink of God, namely his blood, which is incorruptible love and eternal life. I no longer wish to live after the manner of men, and my desire shall be fulfilled if you consent. Be willing, then, that you also may have your desires fulfilled. I entreat you in this brief letter, give credit to me. Jesus Christ will reveal these things to you, so that you shall know that I speak truly. He is the mouth, altogether free from falsehood, by which the Father is truly spoken. It's such a beautiful sentence of St. Ignatius. Jesus Christ is the mouth, altogether free from falsehood, by which the Father has truly spoken. Pray for me that I may attain the object of my desire. Pray for me that I may attain the object of my desire. St. Ignatius' Epistle to the Romans, chapter 7 and 8. The obedience of St. Ignatius in yearning for death is the obedience of Christ in the fourth gospel. Behind chapter 5 of the Holy Rule lies the whole movement of the Gospel of St. John, the mystery of the Son, who in sacrificial obedience hastens to return to the Father by the accomplishment of his will. That's the whole Gospel of St. John. The Most Holy Eucharist, our true Thusia, contains the mystery this obedience.